Good morning, St. Saviours. Our reading this morning is from Zephaniah 3, verses 14 to 20. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, you will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and a reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honour in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honour and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Rebecca, for that reading. And if you want to follow in your Bibles, Zephaniah chapter 3, that well-known prophet in the Bible. Before we continue, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that we can just gather this morning. And we pray, Lord, whatever you have for us, that you would speak, maybe spirit to spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in case you've been living under a rock or you've um, been totally oblivious to what's been going on in the world the last few weeks, there was a football match last night. Anyone see it? Anyone watch the football match? What a difference it made. I mean, a week ago, we beat Senegal, England, and there was like excitement and hope, and suddenly we were saying, we're going to win the World Cup, and everyone was jubilant, and in our house, we were bouncing off the walls. And then last night, um, what, a, what a difference, what a change. As Harry Kane took that first penalty, and it went into the net, we, we jumped around, and we were so excited. And then as he took that second penalty, I mean, we're Spurs fans, and we would have probably put um, our house, our car, our, our life savings on Harry Kane scoring a goal, and we just saw the ball sort of whistle over the goalpost. And then there was sort of despair and disappointment, 10 minutes left, and the chances of us doing it was um, very, very slim. All across the country, I think this morning, there's um, a totally difference to how it was last week when we were full of joy. There's anger, there's disappointment, and there's sadness. And that's normal, isn't it? When life's going well, it's okay to, to rejoice and be happy and be glad and to celebrate. But when life is painful and difficult, the last thing you feel like doing is rejoicing. This word rejoice means to be glad or to have joy or to show joy and delight. And the Bible says something that on the surface seems absolutely crazy and impossible. Again and again throughout the Bible, we're told to rejoice to celebrate and be glad. But not just when things are going well. We're told to rejoice, celebrate and be glad when there's pain and disappointment and there's suffering. Thessalonians says this, Rejoice 
always. And in the book of Philippians, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And the beginning of this passage, which Rebecca read to us, it says, Be glad and rejoice with all of your heart. There's something about joy and rejoicing in God that gives us a strength to get through life. Well, it's easy to do that when things are going well, but how do we do that when there's challenge, struggle, and disappointment? What about when we're facing a crisis or a doubt or going through a real painful experience? How do we rejoice when life is rubbish? Well, this passage was written to a people who weren't on a mountaintop of joy and blessing. They they were going through a valley, losing their own quarterfinal, you could say. Things weren't going well for themselves. And Zephaniah is this prophet in the Old Testament. He, He lived around about the time of a king called Josiah in the Old Testament, about 600 years before Jesus was born. And if you know anything about Israel and Judah's history about this time, things weren't good. They actually were getting worse and worse. And it's into this context of suffering and disappointment that Zephaniah speaks this amazing message of hope and grace. And I think this message is just as relevant for for me and you today as it was thousands of years ago when Zephaniah first spoke it. So just two things I briefly want to draw out of this passage of how we can have rejoice and be glad when life is really rubbish. They both begin with the letter R, so it's easy to remember. And the first one is rescue. Rejoice because you have been rescued. Verse 15. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He's turned back your enemy. Verse 17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Verse 19. I will rescue them. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. Imagine, I mean, this is an illustration to try and help us get around about what it means to be rescued by God. But imagine that you've been convicted of a crime. You're in court and you know that you're guilty. You know there's no way you can escape or get away with it. And the judgment, the penalty, the punishment is so overwhelming. You'll be carrying this for the rest of your life. You know you're guilty. The judge comes into the court. He asks everyone to stand. And then he says to you, to your amazement, you're free to go. The king has given you a royal pardon. The new King Charles has pardoned you. You're free to go. And that's really what Zephaniah is saying here. He's saying something amazing has happened. Jesus' death and resurrection, we have received a royal pardon. Not from the king of England, but from the king of kings. Zephaniah is saying, this is amazing grace. You've been rescued. The slate's been wiped totally clean. You can walk in freedom and victory. You've been rescued. But I think this is the thing. Being rescued is, you can't be rescued if you're in a place of safety. If you're in safety, you don't need rescuing. You can only be rescued if you're in a place of danger. And the whole point of being rescued is not that we avoid the pain and the danger and the suffering in our lives, but we're actually rescued through it and from it. Yes, we go through the valley of suffering, but God's promises that he will rescue us from it. And that's why we can rejoice. Pain, suffering, and disappointment doesn't get to have the last word. God always has the last word. Rejoice because God has rescued you. And then secondly, tying into being rescued, the second R is relationship. We are rescued for a relationship. 
And this is the gospel. This is what the whole gospel is about, what the Christian faith is about, what it means to follow Jesus. The Father sends the Son to be born as one of us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus coming into the earth to be born as one of us. And then Jesus dies on the cross and he's raised again into new life. And that's what we celebrate at Easter, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And he does this that so we can be forgiven, so we can be set free from sin, addictions, anger, worry, so we can live in a relationship of love with our Heavenly Father. Why does God do this? Why does he go through this effort to do this? It's not because of some sort of duty or responsibility. It's because God loves you. God adores you. God delights in you. God adores you. And what this passage reveals is something about the heart and the character of God in a way few other passages in the Bible ever touch. It's one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. Verse 17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he no longer rebukes you, but he rejoices over you with singing. In his love, God rejoices over you with singing. Nicky Gumbel, who was the former vicar of HDB, said this in one of his devotionals this week. Your intimate connection with the Lord is based on his enduring love for you. Your intimate connection with the Lord is based on his enduring love for you. And what he's saying is there's times in our lives where we all know that God feels really distant. But the more we understand about God's love, the deeper our relationship of God is. The Hebrew word that's used here for love is the same word that's used both between Jacob and Rachel, his love for his wife. It's a picture of a mother gazing at a newborn child, gazing into the eyes, holding the child to the chest and saying, I love you and singing over her. And I don't know what comes into your mind when you think about God, whether you think he's, he's distant or judgmental, but the image God wants you to have of him for this passage is like a mother holding a baby to her chest, looking into the eyes and singing over her child. That's why Isaiah 62 says, you know, it's like a husband madly in love with his bride. Isaiah says, as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall God rejoice over you. He adores you, he loves you, he holds you to his chest, and he sings over us. That's the image God wants us to get over. Rejoice because of God's rescue. God has and will rescue us from whatever we face. And rejoice because of relationship. God adores you. He rescues you for a relationship. And the way we respond to all of this, the way we experience the love of God, is for the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Is the spirit that pours God's love into our hearts. I wonder if the band would like to just come and stand. It's a lovely verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, which says, God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's how we experience it. About a year ago, we had um, someone speaking in our church, a good friend of mine, and she was saying how she was a Christian for most of her life. And she knew that God loved her. She read it in the Bible, she knew it in her head. She knew that God loved her, but she never experienced it in her heart. It was just something she knew in her head. And one day someone prayed for her to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And as they prayed for her, it said it was like they connected the tube from her head to her heart. 
And for the first time after years and years of following Jesus, what she knew in her head, she began to experience in her heart. She began to encounter the love of God. God pours his love into her heart by the Holy Spirit. And that image of a God who is not far away in heaven and judging, but a God who holds us close to his chest, who gazes into our eyes and sings over us with joy and delight. For the first time, she began to encounter that in her own heart. God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If you're able, would you like to stand? My friends, faith came alive in a new way, and that's the invitation for each of us today. So as we go into this next worship song, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to, to come and just to minister to our own hearts and to fill our hearts with his love. That what we have, our relationship with God isn't just head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge as well. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and we just receive God's peace and his joy just by faith, just by saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your gift. Thank you that you love me. Help me to, to know this love in my heart, not just in my head. As we think about this subject of joy and rejoicing, I wonder what, what are the things that you're struggling with this morning? Where do you lack joy? What are your disappointments? What are the prayers that you've prayed that are unanswered? Where are the things in your past or your recent history where you just feel, where were you, God, in all of that? And I just encourage you just to, as we worship, just to offer those things to God, to lay them at his feet and to actually reflect on that image that he's someone who walks alongside us, he's someone who rescues us and continues to rescue us and he's a God who loves you and adores you and he holds you to his chest. Father, we pray that you'd come by your spirit, that you'd speak to our hearts this morning, that we'd receive your love and we'd receive that wonderful image, that picture of just how you delight in us, how you rejoice over us as a husband rejoicing over his bride, that you are good God and even when we don't see it, even when we see just pain and suffering and challenge, help us to hold on to the fact that you are a good God, that you're for us, and you long to have good plans for our lives.